0: reading for today.
1: Our Old Testament lesson for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his lungs. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God.
0: Thanks be to God. I'll invite Liam to come forward for our epistle reading for today.
2: Our epistle lesson for today comes from first John chapter three, verses one through three. Hear the, hear the word of the Lord. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that we that, his, that is what we are. The reason of the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. But what we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will like him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is, and all who have this hope in him will purify themselves, just as he is pure. This is the word of God for us, the people of God.
3: Our Gospel reading for today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 19, verses 33-37. Hear the word of the Lord. Then they came to Capernaum, and when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What are you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another from who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be the first must be the last of all servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking th- and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me but whoever welcomes me, not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God.
0: Thanks be to God. I want to say a special thank you to all of our children who have helped lead us in worship today. You've been brave and courageous to stand up here and to read and to sing and to dance, and we're all blessed by your gifts and I want to thank also all of those leaders who have worked with them, for Jordan and for Nan and Megan and all of those who have um, helped prepare them. Thank you so much. We are, we are blessed. Um, would you join me in prayer? O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. He was one of the last people that you would have expected to serve in the church nursery. He was a 40-year-old man, a PhD student, studying hard, and he had a long, fiery red beard. And he could have been like an Irish Santa Claus or something, I I don't know. He was an artist, and he had so much creative talent, and sometimes artists can come off as intense or aloof, but I met David Taylor during my time in seminary, and he was anything but aloof. Um, David writes about his time um, when he served for the first time in the church nursery. He says that um, half of the one- and two-year-olds regarded his beard warily, um, and the other half used the plastic farm and kitchen utensils to comb his beard. (laughs) said he, he was using phrases all morning long like, it's okay, it's okay, please be gentle. Excellent tea. They celebrated a never-ending tea party. One of his favorite parts of the morning was leading in the, the children in a version of Wheels on the Bus as they gnawed their Cheez-Its and Cookie Snacks. He could have played the musical theater director all morning long. David says this was quite a change of pace from his normal life that he spent Monday through Friday on the fourth floor of Perkins Library at Duke University, plowing through his dissertation page by page. But it was a welcomed change for him. Today, we celebrate Children's Sabbath Sunday. And we are asked to consider what would it be like for a little child to lead us. We hear this phrase in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah today. A little child shall lead them. The prophet paints a picture of the peaceable kingdom where the wolf will live with the lamb and the calf. And young lion will feed together. And a little child shall lead them. We typically read this text during the Advent season, and we know that this child that shall lead them, the child, points to Jesus, who was God Himself, come to us in the form of a child, one who had the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And as the Christ child. Jesus brings together the sense of divine vulnerability and strength that shows us the very character of God. I wonder how our children today can show us the character of God. When our gospel lesson, we see that Jesus has grown in wisdom and stature and he now puts this statement into dramatic action. How a little child will lead them. He Demonstrates what the kingdom of God looks like by embracing a child. You know how you can read a passage from the Bible over and over and um, through the years. You think you understand it and then all of a sudden you realize, hey, I I didn't realize that was there before. Um, That's what happened to me when I I read this passage. Um, I've heard all about Jesus and the little children, but I never quite realized until... A few months ago, we were reading in our covenant Bible study about how Jesus literally takes a child and brings the child up in front of all of the disciples, a sight for all of them to see. Perhaps this is the biblical version of, are you smarter than a fifth grader? (laughs) You see, the disciples had just been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Jesus called them out on it, and they didn't really have any response to offer. They were silent. And so Jesus takes a child and tells them, you need to become more like a child, to welcome the child, and thus to welcome Christ among you. Jesus says you have to learn by spending time with children. I wonder how we would respond if, if Jesus showed up today and asked us the same question. What, what were you arguing about on your journey? It's funny how Jesus, Jesus has eyes in the back of his head, sometimes it seems like. and It's like Jesus knew the conversation that they were having, what it was about, even though he hadn't necessarily heard every word. And the truth is, for us, we still have these challenges. Jesus' words are for us as well. We struggle to become a church that is marked less by arguing and more by welcoming children. Less arguing and more by welcoming children. By bringing a child into the mix, someone who didn't have any status or regard in the world of the Roman Empire, Jesus flips the notion of Greatness upside down Jesus, Jesus challenges the disciples and us and our understanding of who is great we have a desire to be great I mean we've, we've certainly had this discussion in terms of sports figures who is the greatest of all time you could look at Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Usain Bolt, take your pick I mean they're all great We aspire for greatness. We can even be obsessed with it. But what defines what is truly great? The disciples seem to be defining it in terms of importance. And we can do a similar thing. We can define greatness by dollar signs, by the amount of work we're able to get done, by how smart we can be on a certain topic, by the fame or even... How much political influence we have. Jesus challenges our idea of greatness. And he suggests that we give up our dullness, our efficiency, our need to master and explain everything. And instead, we should embrace the wonder, the vulnerability, and rest that a child demonstrates. One thing children can teach us is to see the world with wonder and awe. The writer Tish Warren says, children never tire of beauty and pleasure. They embrace enjoyment with abandon. They don't feel guilty about taking time to search for feathers, invent a game, or enjoy a treat. G.K. Chesterton imagines that God revels in the pleasure of his creation like an enthusiastic child you ever been with a child and you do something that they've never seen before and then they say do it again do it again you do it again and then they say do it again they never get tired of something exciting Chesterton wonders if God is like that child which every day when the sun rises God says do it again do it again and every night when the moon comes up God says do it again do it again God exults in such monotony we can be dulled to the joy and amazing things that are around us as we grow older and Jesus sets a child before us and says to us have a little fun, laugh a little stop taking ourselves so seriously and be amazed at all the Grace and wonder that surrounds you. Perhaps we could greet each day with the excitement of do it again, do it again. Children can also show us that true greatness comes by embracing our vulnerability. It takes courage to let down our walls and to be ourselves. Children are vulnerable people. In fact, that's the very reason Jesus says we must welcome them. To be great, we must care for the vulnerable and the weak. But this also means that we ourselves must be vulnerable. Too often we can put up walls, we can wear different masks to hide who we really are. Or we can get so busy that we just ignore the thoughts and feelings that are bubbling up inside of us. But instead, we're invited to be open, transparent, to pay attention to what's going on inside. I've always heard about the importance of having childlike faith. um, And I've usually thought of this as believing without any doubts or, or questions. But as I've grown to understand childlike faith, I wonder if it's more about believing from the core of who we are, of being Completely transparent and open before God and to others. Children certainly aren't shy with their questions, the things that they wonder about. And they show us how we can be vulnerable and authentic in our relationship with God. Brene Brown says in her book, Daring Greatly, vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity a source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, we must be vulnerable. Children show us also what it means to enjoy the present moment rather than constantly striving for efficiency and productivity. They direct us to what, as one dad put it, the art of inefficiency. (laughs) Ben Catt is a father and a writer, and he confesses that it's so easy for him to be obsessed with productivity, to follow the greatest commandment of the workday world, which is hustling to get things done. And he did this to such a point where he felt like he was losing his heart and his passion says that his children have guided him on this journey. Kids can be seen as an impediment to my productivity, he says, but yet they pack each day with Lego building, creative coloring, and living room dance parties, all lessons that urge me to stay awake to a world overflowing with love, curiosity, and imagination. understanding greatness as wonder, as vulnerability, and presence, our children can serve as spiritual guides. Jesus tells us not only to welcome children among us, but to learn from them. Caring for children can become, for us, a spiritual practice. One thing that I've said a lot, um, and I hear a lot, is, you know, children are our future, they're the church of tomorrow, and and that's a valid statement, Um, but I often push back and say, you know, children aren't the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today, they're just as valuable as any other congregation member among us. That's why it's important for us to advocate for them, to listen to them, to make sure their voices are heard, but Jesus goes beyond just saying that they're the church of today, Jesus actually says that they are leaders. I just learned of one great example of children that have taken this call to leadership. They're called the Bands Boys, spelled with a Z. You've got to remember Bands Boys. Um, Four young men started out with the idea of making money with a lemonade stand, and they ended up raising over $21,000 for UNC Children's Hospital the group of boys makes bracelets out of paracord to signify surviving illness and they sell the bracelets so that they can donate all of the proceeds the boys treated their effort like a business holding meetings to discuss their plans and make bracelets and the um, Leslie Nelson is the executive director at Development at UNC Children's Hospital. She met with these boys and asked them, what do you want to support through these efforts? And she says that they decided they wanted to replace the gaming system in the atrium there. I thought that was such such a cool idea. They've been doing this project for three years, and they hope to continue and, and make it even bigger. Are we willing to let the children lead us? One way that the children have been leading me is in our kids' own worship experience. Every week um, we invite our four year old through second grade to an age-appropriate time of worship and during that time we sing songs together, we pray together, we lift our requests to God, we hear from God's word, we Respond to God's word with art and movement and play. It sounds a lot like church to me. The children don't expect me to be an expert on the Wesleyan quadrilateral, and they don't expect me to be a visionary leader to guide the church on the next big mission. They just want to be in a safe place to learn about God and to have people that love and care about them and listen to them. And I find that very refreshing in a world that is always trying to get ahead or to be important, even in the church sometimes. The children have something to teach me and to teach us about being a child of God. As Jesus was trying to demonstrate, if we want the children to lead us, then we actually have to spend time with kids. If we really took Jesus' instructions to heart, People would be beating down the door to my office asking, how can I help out with the children's ministry? Or where can I serve in the nursery? Or how can I be a prayer partner or mentor for kids? Or, or maybe you would be constantly visiting the weekday school, seeing how you, you could support the preschool and after school program here at Aldersgate. Or maybe there are kids in the community that lack the parental support and structure that they need to thrive, and you can help them as they learn and grow, Or maybe you have the little people in your own home that you minister to and serve. It makes us ask, what if what was discussed in a second grade small group was just as important as what happened in big church? We're going back to our nursery worker in the beginning. What if David Taylor's most important work was not on his Ph.D., but in the way he loved his own child? the children in the nursery. Reggie Joyner says in his book, The New Kind of Leader, he, he says that it, it probably wouldn't be a good idea for him to be your pastor, but he says that if he was the pastor, he might say, we're not going to have anybody volunteering for anything until we have enough people to serve and with the kids and the youth, we're not. We're, we're just gonna cancel the adult classes, so you don't have an excuse. We're if you haven't volunteered for two years, and you should find maybe another place to be. I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> man, you're you're stepping on my toes, Reggie. That's that's intense. Are you are you serious? Well, certainly, we may not all feel that call to work with children's ministry. I get that, and we may have some physical limitations and but you know you're looking at someone right now which is me who I didn't think that I would be very good with children when I first started working with children they intimidated me a little bit they scared me (laughs) I didn't quite know what they would say I never knew what they would ask and how I would respond but as I've spent the last seven years in ministry I've found that that is one of the things that People acknowledge as one of my gifts is the way that I work with kids and interact with them, and it's a joy for me to learn from them and to grow through them. It may come as a surprise to you if you didn't know already, but you have already made a promise to each child here today to help them grow in their faith. Every time someone is baptized here, we all say these words together that We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God, be found faithful in their service to others, that we will pray for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. It may look different for each person. It may be a smile in the hallway. It may be someone that you pray for. It may be supporting A parent who is having a difficult time, it may be working in our children's ministry. It may be attending a retreat with our youth, as some are this weekend, or being a confirmation mentor. I don't know what it looks like, but we promise to surround our children with this community of love and forgiveness. And as we close today, I want to do something a little bit different. We didn't have...